The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? engagement How long before gift? a wedding should I send out How many save games the dates? Are in the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, my name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Yandex source code link. Joining me today is Mike King, founder of iPollRank. iPollRank provides technical SEO and content strategy solutions behind the world's biggest enterprise and mid-market brands. iPollRank's technical SEO and content strategies have helped drive over $2 billion incremental revenue. In addition to starting iPollRank, Mike has been awarded 2020 Search Marketer of the Year. 2022 top 10 SEOs, author of the upcoming book, The Science of SEO, and for fun has also released an album in 2022, Iconic. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked-to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings, and AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right. Here's my conversation with Mike King, founder of iPoll Rank. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyson. Man, the no shortage of things that you're doing. Like it's not enough with like <laughs> iPoll Rank. You have the book coming out, the album, a father, like... How much is like how how do you have the time for all this? <laughs> I don't. I'm dope. I'm I'm awful at time management, prioritization, all those things. I mean, I'm not awful. Obviously, things get done, but like it feels like a cloud of things I want to achieve over me at all times. And I don't know, I'm just like obsessed with winning, right? And so every time I finish something, 
it's a really fleeting moment of like, yes, this was amazing. And I'm like, all right, immediately start the next thing. And I'm also just somebody that has a ton of ideas and just a varied skill set. So it's like, oh, I want to build a thing. Cool. I can go build the thing. And then what ends up happening is I have 10 things that I'm working on at any given moment. But I'm excited to get this book out because it really feels like a, a capstone on my SEO career. It's like everything I know or 600 pages of what I know in this book. And I'm excited you know, for other people to learn from that as well. So it feels pretty cool. No, I'm excited to take a look at that. I mean, in kind of the topic for today too, talking about like the Yandex link, like reading your recent article on Search Engine Land, you could really see elements, at least assuming coming through from the book of the research. So I'm excited to see that perspective of it and that kind of deep dive into how search engines work and the data retrieval systems besides just kind of, I guess, the the old fashioned type SEO books that are a bit more kind of checklist feeling or oriented. Yeah. And just real quick on that, like what I realized through all of my research and reading and so on is that so much of our understanding in SEO is like based on things we learned in like 03. And Google is just so much more sophisticated now. And I think it's it's time for someone to like kind of encapsulate all that new information in one place so everyone can kind of like catch up to what they're doing right now. I think that like kind of sets the stage a little bit for this conversation because obviously... In case anyone has happened to miss this, there was the leak of the source code from Yandex. Yandex denies that this hack or that it was a hack and claims that it came from a past employee. For whatever reason, doesn't to me, it doesn't really matter where it came from in that sense. But I think the the interesting piece of this is it's a look behind the curtains and it's a primary source in that sense, where I think we don't have that many primary sources within our industry. And it's like, to me, this is in that similar category, even obviously, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, it's not Google, but it's like, this is a primary source. And I think that is something unique about it. And for that, and I was even kind of just going back and forth with, with Jordan about this yesterday, was for that reason, I would still put it in the a category of looking at like value of looking at patents from Google or value of looking at the quality rating guidelines. And it's like, yeah, sure, you're not going to have a to-do list coming out of it necessarily, but it's going to be that primary source to validate and then also have that underlying, underlining kind of stance of how it operates and how it functions. Yeah, I think it's really a question of the working knowledge of how a search engine can operate, right? Like there's a lot of things that we throw around in the SEO space and there's no validation of can that be done or is that even possible, right? And the index source code gives you a sense of what is possible. And, you know, the, one of the points I make in the book, and I'm also trying to make in the discussion with Yandex, is that search engines aren't magic. Google is not magic. Like, Google is a information retrieval system for the web. And there's a series of best practices that are related to that. And then there are innovations that Google has built on that, right? 
And so all the these engineers, they go to the same conferences the same way that we go to the same conferences and share things about how do you do better in Google. And so there, of course, is going to be like cross-pollination from what Yandex does and what Google does. And that is explicitly clear in this code base, especially with the fact that they are using Google's open source technologies like MapReduce is in there, BERT is in there, TensorFlow is in there, protocol buffers are in there. And there's probably other things that I haven't even found yet, right? And so I think that the things that you can learn by seeing this, like you said, it's a primary source. We have never seen anything like this before where we've gotten the actual code from a search engine. And so it allows us to kind of expand what we believe or what is possible here. Because when you think about like how Google always says there's 200 signals, right? Like we think of that as like, oh, there are 200 things that are broken up between on page and off page. When really there might be thousands of things and they're bucketed in these 200 different categories. And so understanding that by explicitly seeing in this code base that there was like 18,000 different ranking factors allows us to expand our thinking about what Google might be considering. So I don't subscribe to this idea that this is like a waste of time. Like, obviously I don't, because I, I spent all this time going through the code. But I think that there's just a lot that we can learn that we haven't had visibility into before. And again, people were using the AOL leaked data from 2006 for like a good five years to build CTR models for Google. So why is this such a, a jump for people to be like, oh, why are we looking at that? It just doesn't make sense to me. Absolutely. And I, I think from that, maybe before we get into what actually is included, maybe just kind of give a summary for the listeners of what was included in the source code link and maybe also if you've come across anything yet like what has not been included or what are had references of things that maybe yeah didn't have access to or just weren't part of this yeah so at one point i, I can't remember maybe it was like 2013 yandex moved to have like one big repository for everything and Yandex is like Google. They've got a variety of services. Like they've got their own version of Uber. They've got email. They've got maps. They've got all these things, right? And so all of that was in the code base. Now, within the code base, as it relates to the search engine, there are some things missing. Like there are a series of directories that are referenced in the code that aren't in there. Like one of which is their semantic search directory, which I think is related to their DSSM set of algorithms and so on. And then there would be just like little utilities, like how different ranking factors are mapped because we have at least some of the machine learning models in there. And Ryan Jones, who's also been doing this with me, he's started to play with them and like see what the outputs are. And it's just numbers. So you don't really know what these numbers represent because you don't have the mapping. So there's nuances like that. And I mean, I guess in that case, it's not just nuances, like very important things that aren't in there. But there are also a lot of really meaningful things in there. Like, for instance, one of the most surprising things that I uh, came across was the initial weights for a series of ranking factors. So I mentioned that there's like over 18,000 ranking factors that were listed in, a, in various files. But there was one set where it was like 257 of them 
that had their actual coefficients next to them. So the actual weights for the ranking algorithm. But they were hard-coded in there. So that's an indication that this isn't the final set of weights. And again, we're talking about there being potentially tens of thousands of ranking factors there. So this was the initial set for building what's called a posting list. Because the way that an index is structured is it's not like, you know, you just go to one computer and hit a database and then get all the documents back. It's distributed across thousands of computers. And so each of those, what are called database shards, you go to it and you say, give me all the pages that are going to be relevant here. And then you combine all of those and then you re-rank them based on, you know, a series of factors, particularly how relevant are they to the query and then, you know, all your other many factors to be considered. And so that was really interesting because it tells you what you should be optimizing for to be in the consideration set. So yes, there's tens of thousands of ranking factors, but look at these first to make sure that you're even being considered. And so, like I said, there's a lot of things missing, but there's a lot of really interesting things in there that allow us to get more of an understanding of modern search than we currently have. I love that you hit the point of kind of the layers to this. And in going over your article, I think that was a really valuable piece to kind of correct a lot of people, I guess, in some ways, because there is this notion of like, yeah, it's just one linear equation. I figure out that equation, I can figure out how to rank. And so I think (laughs) really hitting home on that, like, hey, we can be breaking this apart. And then if we're thinking in the same lens of these different layers, we can then be understanding like, okay, from what am I seeing? How much of a risk do I have of being included in it versus optimizing on position or something else? But I think that's like a a really important piece to get across to a lot of the listeners on this. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I do want to go back a little bit and touch on the architecture callouts that you made. Because I think that for me was interesting. And you broke out kind of looking at like crawlers, indexing, and then like the ranking process. So one of the pieces is you call out Yandex using dual distributed crawling systems 
calling out how Google has kind of like their three buckets that they've mentioned on this. But I thought it was interesting that you noted that there's no separate rendering system for JavaScript. And so this obviously could be a significant difference from Google in the sense, but how do you put that into context of how they're going about looking at JavaScript and their limits, potential limitation on text base versus what we're seeing or what we're believing kind of from Google's side? Yeah. And rendering like that whole idea is, is like my bread and butter. I don't know if your listeners know this, but I was the first one to say to the SEO community back in 2011, like, hey, there's these things called headless browsers and Google uses it. But anyway, so what I've subsequently found out since writing that post is that they do actually have JavaScript rendering. If you look in the Yandex like version of Webmaster Tools or whatever, they give you the option to do it, but it's still like a beta thing. So that's just kind of illustrates that there are things missing from the code base. What we saw is that it is actually Chromium-based, just like everyone else's. But again, it's beta. Like they haven't been using it for a long time. There's evidence that it's been around since like late 2022. So either way, and then this code base is, as far as I understand it, it was from July of last year. So it could have just not been there at that time. But either way, I think that's a a huge deficiency for Yandex for all this time for the very same reasons that Google had to have it, right? Because so much of the web is like in React and Angular and Vue and so on that you need that to have a good understanding or a more robust understanding of I don't know what the percentage is, but like a heavy amount of the web, right? And so the fact that they didn't have it tells me that they can only be so relevant, right? Because unless people in Russia or wherever, you know, Belarus and all the other places that use Yandex were all doing server-side rendering, then that's a huge miss for the content that they would be looking at. And kind of... Moving forward from that, you also called out Yandex using bigrams, trigrams, and Google's phase-based indexing with n-grams. Any notable kind of takeaways for that observation and kind of that difference between the two? Yeah, so I think that's a, a big one, and no one else has asked me about that one yet. Phrase-based indexing is something Google has had for a very long time, since like, you know, the early 2000s. And I think it's Anna Patterson was the engineer that like, she's, it's like only her name on the patent. So like, she's the one that came up with it. And the limitation I believe is that their phrases might go up to 32 grams. And the reason why I believe that is because that's the limitation of a query in Google. Whereas with Yandex, theirs goes up to 64. Like we found that explicitly in the code. And So when they are limiting it to trigrams, that means that they have to intersect enough phrases to get to that 64, rather than saying like, hey, this phrase was explicitly found in these documents. And so the intersection of shorter phrases has the potential to be less relevant than if you have a phrase that's, you know, up to 32 words. And so... I think that is a key thing that Google does better than them. However, being that they use BERT, it possibly doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is that in BERT, 
queries are just like, they go straight to being embeddings rather than like having to look for the combinations of words or whatever. And so as a result of that, they're probably able to improve their relevance by switching to BERT rather than having longer phrases. Uh, That's interesting. And that it feels too like something that could be in like the product development and in the sense of like before BERT, maybe that swings in a favor as an advantage for Google in that sense. And then now it's a factor that's like maybe not as relevant of a significant limitation from their sense. But saying that feels like kind of like a product progression on their side as well. Yeah, and that is, well, another thing that's missing is we don't have any of the data, right? Like we don't have what's in the indices. We don't have what they're storing in their general databases to like inform this stuff. And so if we had their inverted indexes, we'd be able to see like, okay, here's what this looks like. Is it just a series of numbers in their dictionaries, which are then tied to their inverted index? Or is it that they have the numbers next to the phrases that are like, you know, one grams, two grams, trigrams? So that would be good to know. But, you know, we can just kind of infer from the structure of how they're oper- running their computations that it's mostly just the numbers at this point. Interesting. No, I want to touch on one more area. I'm deliberately not getting into the ranking factors yet because I <laughs> purposely like wanting people to wait for that aspect because I think too often the conversation just immediately wants to drop into ranking factors. But I don't know. Personally, I found this other side like being almost a little bit more fascinating. The usage. So in the ranking process, like you call out and had like the nice diagram for it where there's the meta search for the popular searches, and then it kind of defaults, if not found, into the base layer. And then you have those results ultimately being passed into MatrixNet. Like, and it seems like MatrixNet, for obvious reasons, is kind of like, feels like an ambiguous area within the code base or like more <laughs> limitations to it. What have you found about MatrixNet and what are kind of like, the big areas that are have a lot of like remaining question marks around it. I don't have a good soundbite for the answer to that one. That's still something that we're digging into and trying to figure out. Like we've got some of the models giving us back data, but we don't know what it means yet. And there's so many references in the code to it. There's so many different models to look at. And I wish we had like some sort of dichotomous key or Rosetta Stone for it. Because that is perhaps the most interesting thing that if we can crack that open, I think that would give us a lot of insights on like how neural ranking can be done. Generally, it looks like they're doing nearest neighbor search. It is like, again, the the vector space model and looking at the comparison of the query versus the document and the things that are closer together or more relevant and so on. But I want to know precisely, like, what is this doing? What is it weighing? How are the other factors coming into play? And that's going to be an ongoing thing. And in fact, what I've done is I've started a Slack community called The Index, and I'm inviting other SEOs that are technically adept, that are curious about this stuff to just like dig in with us. And the ultimate work product I'm looking to build is basically a wiki on this code that tells like the documentation that we wish we had. Here's how this connects. Here's what this is doing. Here's what we can learn from it, that sort of thing. But right now, I don't know. (laughs) I love that you're kind of pulling together the community in that piece. Is this something if there's listeners or people that want to dive in and kind of contribute to it? Is it something that people can raise their hand for? 
yeah, just uh, hit me up. Like, I'm Ipoh Rank on all the things. Just DM me and we'll invite you. I want to make sure that we're, we've got people who are really engaged with it, not people that are just going to like look at Slack and then write blog posts about what we're doing. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's why we're not just being like, hey, go to this link and jump in. But the, the GitHub will be public. So you can just do a pull request on that. And it's called the GitHub is called the Yandex Decoder Ring. So just Google it. Excellent. <laughs> so for contributors, reach out, reach out to Mike for it. But really interested to see what comes what comes out of that. And I think at this, I'm going to wrap up the episode, leave everyone kind of hanging for ranking factors in the next episode. But that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks to Mike King, founder of iPoll Rank, for joining us on our next episode, which we'll publish tomorrow. Mike and I are going to continue the conversation talking about the ranking factors within this Yandex source code leak. And if you cannot wait until the next episode, you would like to learn more about Mike, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at iPollRank, or visit his company's website, iPollRank.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.